Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is John J.P. Podlasic of Game Dev Advice. I'm a 30-year veteran of the game development industry and have a podcast where I interview artists, animators, programmers, designers, CEOs, and all different types of people that work in the game development industry. Whether you're an aspiring or an experienced game developer, you'll find useful, thought-provoking, and sometimes funny advice on the podcast. So check it out. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as being part of our patron-exclusive game giveaways, or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 149 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who is in the running to play as Goro in Mortal Kombat 11, Robert Workman. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the other two arms to grow out. It's taking a little longer than expected. I don't have the hair, though. I mean, if I had, like, you know, the Will Smith Aladdin hair, maybe? I, Ooh, I don't know. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of feedback going on about that, including some from somebody I didn't expect. But we'll I mean, I on. would expect that to kind of go in the same way possible is like the Will Smith and Aladdin if you're trying to go as Goro. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going to go that route here. But uh, no, I mean, we got a great guest on the show tonight. We've been waiting to get this guy in for a long time now. He's been a friend of mine for a while. He's working over the team at Able Gamers and really just going all out to to express like how important it is to, to make sure that the handicapped community can play games along with the rest of us. Uh, it's uh, Able Gamers' own Steven Spawn. He's here with us tonight. Steven, welcome, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Good to finally Thank have you, you sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be talking about like your work with the adaptive controller. We'll, we'll be talking about like a, a number of different things uh, so everyone can game. I believe that is the hashtag that's used in that. Indeed, so, yeah. And we'll be also talking about the Super Bowl ad that took place as well. So we've got a lot to talk about. But uh, first off, uh, David, we need to talk about somebody in Mortal Kombat 11 that apparently we can't see. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So you would think that, like, maybe John Cena would play as someone who you can't see, maybe, like, Reptile, because I know Reptile has an invisibility, like, um, mm-hmm. like you know, like, mode and everything. Uh, but apparently there is, like, some talk about John Cena possibly playing as Striker, the, uh, the like, police officer, basically, who's in the Mortal Kombat universe, basically. So it's, uh, it's, it's you know, this kind of all came about, actually, from uh, from Boss Logic, who's, like, a very well-renowned, um, you know, it's, like, editor, like, for, like, you know, for, 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 like, photographs and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, he's big into, like, Photoshop. And uh, I, I know 
that he actually uh, he got he got like a pretty good shout out actually from Robert Downey Jr. Actually, I don't know if you saw like on Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. but Robert Downey Jr. actually gave him like a shout out actually for like a piece that he did like uh, for like um, was it Avengers Endgame I believe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, so, so he did like uh, you know he did like a piece here basically of like Striker, um, kind of looking like John Cena a little bit, and even making like the uh, the case here saying uh, John Cena kind of writes itself by do Miss Dad Bod Striker, <laughs> um, and then shortly after that John Cena without any caption or anything just posted up a picture of striker and i believe it's like the striker from like mortal kombat 9 i want to say um so this kind of has like people talking now it's like is it just john cena acknowledging the fact that boss logic did this photo and like tagged them in it or is there more to it so uh robert i was kind of curious on your take as far as like if we're actually gonna see john cena play as striker in mortal kombat 11 well, I mean, if he did, like I said, we wouldn't be able to see him. But um, <laughs> it makes sense because, you know, um, Ronda Rousey's already in there as Sonya Blade. Mm-hmm. She was revealed at the Mortal Kombat 11 event. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, WB had some sort of partnership with WWE, maybe even, like, as a WrestleMania co-sponsor or something like that because it releases around the same month that WrestleMania takes place. That's so, an interesting point, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in John Cena. And, of course, probably the only downside to that, you know, is, like, everybody would be like, oh, I can't wait to take on John Cena so I could rip his heart out or, or smash his face into pieces. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of the downside. But, I mean... I, I think it's a neat idea. You know, like WWE has been looking for a way to promote like its stuff and everything. And having Ronda Rousey on board is a really big way of that. Having John Cena in the game, obviously people would make their jokes or whatever, but he, he can, he can pull off the right thing if he's in the right project. I mean, people loved yeah. him in Bumblebee. So, you know, I, I think, <laughs> I think he'd be a good fit for the project. Personally, I, I think he'd be having a lot of fun with that. But the question is who else would they get from like the WWE? I mean, will, will we see Ric Flair show up as Raiden? Well, I I know that um, when Ronda Rousey was like revealed actually to be playing as Sonya Blade like during that reveal event, um, I know she actually joked about like Triple H playing as Kano or something like as mm. far as like kind of playing off of each other like with you know, with her preparing for like the role. So I mean I wouldn't mind seeing Triple H play as Kano because I I do love Triple H I do love Kano so it'd be like you know match made in heaven for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stephen, I, I was kind of curious like on, on what your take is like with like Mortal Kombat 11 in general and also with John Cena possibly being a part of it. You know, I think that we're witnessing the industries around the world between movies, television, crossovers, happening with video games, uh, dancing. I mean, listen, we're finally at a point in time where everyone is recognizing that video games are a valid entertainment source Mm -hmm. and that there is no need to sort of push them off in their own little corner that video games have a huge audience influencers of course have had a huge hand in that and bringing it mainstream and you see ninja on the freaking super bowl and downtown with the ball dropping and new york and you know you see uh uh, fresh prince of bel-air dances being taken by epic and (laughs) you know i mean let's face it who doesn't uh know what the john cena thing is even if you aren't a wwe fan uh you know the dun, 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 dun. Yeah. like you know it's, <laughs> it's hard not to right so uh i can, I can see where you know uh games are going to continue to bring in these huge stars that everybody just happens to love yeah absolutely yeah and like with like john cena like i think you make like a good point there too because he is very prominent in like meme culture really with the whole you can't see yeah. me and like with you know with the you know it was like john cena bah, bah, you know like the whole theme song and all so um yeah i, th- I think that's a good point and also uh, I think Robert brings up like a great point too, like with with the game releasing around the time of of, 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 um, of like WrestleMania too. So there probably is going to be some sort of like big like cross promotion kind of thing between WB Games and uh, WWE. 
So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens here. Uh, if there are going to be more wrestlers like John Cena, that's going to be involved in Mortal Kombat 11. So I guess we'll kind of wait and see. But, you know, honestly, like if I had to kind of rate as far as like how likely this is going to be, I'll probably put it like 75%, honestly. Like it seems pretty likely. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, if there is like some sort of crossover deal or cross promotion deal, which is perfect Mortal Kombat, I think the only thing that would probably hold it back is because WWE is going all family friendly. I don't know if they'd yeah. get the Mortal Kombat name in there, but, I mean, it'd be a great tie-in all the same. And, you know, it, it could help WWE promote their own game, which they'll probably have, you know, like, 2K20 announced any month now because mm, WrestleMania yeah. and SummerSlam's coming. So I, it's just really a matter of time. And plus, if they promote it the right way, I mean, they can they can get away. I mean, you know, I've seen, like, TV shows that have Resident Evil 2 re- representing them, and they're not exactly, you know, mature-rated shows. So it, it's anything's possible. With Anything's possible. Indeed. And uh, speaking of stuff that <laughs> needs to happen in the world of Resident Evil, uh, <laughs> oh man, this is fun. Um, so a while back, somebody released some sort of YouTube video in which um, what happened was whenever Mr. X, a.k.a. Tyrant, enters the room in like, you know, Resident Evil 2, and he is relentless, uh, as David, he shot his head off, his hat <laughs> off for some stupid reason. Um, <laughs> somebody modded it in where uh, whenever he'd come into the room, DMX's X gonna give it to you plays and it actually goes with him. So if he like goes into another room, the music kind of fades off with him, but then he comes back, the music kicks right back in. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody had some fun with that. And as a result, now somebody made it an official mod for the PC version of the game in which that's exactly what happens. And uh, the song will coincide with Mr. X's appearance in the following locations. That includes the raccoon police department, the parking garage with Claire, the orphanage with Claire, the upper sewers with Ada Wong and the greenhouse with Leon. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got the link right there from the don'tfeedthegamers.com website where you can install it and give it a try for yourself. But I, I think it's a neat little addition myself. Yeah, because uh, this is, you know, this is honestly like a meme that has like really kind of taken on, on like a life of its own. And you'll see like videos on, you know, on, like social media pretty much everywhere. Of people like doing their own versions of like X going to give it to you, like playing like whatever Mr. X shows up. Um, I remember first time like seeing this, uh, you know, it just it just kind of you know spawned on me. This is like, oh, my God, like you know, it, it totally makes sense. And uh, the modder who, you know, who has made this actually uh, DJ Pop. Um, basically is the one who, who like made this, uh, basically like the, the music kind of kicks in whenever, whenever Mr. X kind of like just shows up and then it, it fa- you know, fades out whenever you get away from Mr. X. So, uh, it's, it's a really neat, like, you know, mod to kind of like add in there and certainly something uh, for, you know, for people who like appreciate the, you know, the, um, the, the, the meme to kind of try out here. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a pretty neat one myself. Um, I just wish it came to consoles. Cause I mean, yeah. otherwise you're going to have to like, you know, manually play the song through like Spotify or something and then shut it yeah, off. And yeah. start over the PC again. master race in that case. So yeah. <laughs> don't tell Leona that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Steve, like I was, I was kind of curious if you played like resident evil two remake and like, you know, what, what you think about the meme in general with X going to give it to you. <laughs> you know, I, I have not played resident evil because I am a huge baby when it comes to zombie <laughs> games. I just, as my, as my Achilles heel, I cannot do the, the zombie games. They, uh, they freak me out. So I stay far away from the zombie <laughs> Zombies. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I love the meme though. It's one of my favorites. We uh we have one of those in my stream where we uh when somebody gives a, a gift, they can play X gonna give it to you for like <laughs> fifteen seconds. And uh, that's great. So one, one time uh we were playing um uh one of the shooter games. I won't name it, but uh we were playing one of the shooter games, and it was like one of those moments where it was, it was gonna be perfect. Someone had given a gift. Uh, Someone triggered the X gonna give it to you, and it did the whole you know X gonna deliver it to you. Knock knock, open the door. It's real. <laughs> and I was running up on a house, and the door was closed. And right when it it, it got to the part where it's pop pop and stainless steel, I 
I was laughing so hard at the timing on that that I froze and there was a dude on the other side of the door. And I, and I got <laughs> gunned down. I was like, no, it would have been perfect if I would have killed the dude. I could have tweeted it out. It would have went viral. Oh but my no, God. I froze. Damn oh, it. oh man, it's too bad. Yeah, but that's that's just like amazing though. It's just like the timing of things like that. The timing yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing, yeah. So yeah, de- definitely try out like the mod like if you get like a chance to if you have Resident Evil 2 Remake on PC. Uh, that's definitely something to try out if you appreciate uh, that meme. So, and that's going to lead us into uh, to like a surprise story actually that Robert uh, actually surprised me with here uh, on one of my favorite game franchises franchises of all time uh, coming to Switch. <laughs> actually, on Switch right now, uh, Commander Keen and Keen Dreams has been released this past week. Uh, it was produced by a company called Lone Wolf Technology, and it's going for nine ninety nine. Uh, this is the second game in the series. Originally came out in nineteen ninety one for MS DOS, I believe it was, and mm-hmm. basically. Uh, um, you know, it's got the the same classic story and gameplay that we've come to expect from that entry in the series. Although you apparently now have an option to play a different soundtrack if you wish to do that, so it's technically a little remastered, but still just keeps kind of the classic vibe intact, which is pretty yeah. cool. I have not played this yet, but David, now that I've introduced you to it, chances are you're probably going <laughs> to grab this after the show, aren't you? I mean, I might, because, uh, like, the price is a bit high, honestly, like, 10 bucks mm-hmm. for just, like, one of the, uh, you know, the chapters, basically, in the Commander Keen series, because this, this is, like, the second chapter, uh, Keen Dreams, in, uh, in the Commander Keen series, so this is, like, the second one after Invasion of the Vorticons, uh, and then after that is Goodbye Galaxy, then Aliens Ate My Babysitter, uh, and then, like, the final game was, like, the, that, uh, that one that no one talks about on, on Game Boy Color, <laughs> so, right. um, but, I, I mean, it's just kind of odd that they would just come out, like, this is, like, a stealth release too it's just kind of weird that they just that they just came out with the second chapter like why not have like the whole commander keen like you know like series in here like all four you know all four episodes of the original games um i I just don't really get that well i mean i'm sure it'll happen i mean they're probably just gauging the popularity based on one of the more well-received um commander keen games so you know if it is well received enough then we will see more entries in the series it's just mm-hmm. a matter of, you know, how will fans react? Because, you know, I think they're playing the cautious route here. It's a company I've never even heard of. So, I mean, it, they're probably just coming out of the blue and giving something a shot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, uh, I was kind of curious, like, if you're like a Commander Keen fan or if you like have any experience with the Commander Keen games. You know, not really my cup of tea so much, but I, you know, I think it's interesting. The Switch has sort of opened up a whole new world for retro games and games that we used to love to come back Absolutely. through this, you know, this, this modern era portal. And, you know, uh, I actually would throw it back to you guys and say, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts on just games coming to the switch in general? Does it make you excited that all these games that you, you loved from yesteryear are going to have a second chance to make audiences happy again? Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know for me, like it's all about um, kind of keeping like preservation really alive, like in gaming, especially like for games that, you know, have come out like many years ago and um, seeing like the retro games, kind of, you know, that, you know, that are coming out for for the for the Nintendo Switch is like a huge deal for me, honestly. Because I mean, it's, especially from like Hamster too, because like Hamster's doing like a great job. Like every Thursday, they're just churning out like all these Neo Geo games, and like j- just like these games that otherwise you would have no other way really of playing, like in a legal sense. Um, so it's just like really cool to have those games like available and basically make the Nintendo Switch almost be like a Neo Geo machine really onto itself, uh, which is really neat. And like seeing also like with like Sega Genesis Classics uh, collection coming out and like, you know, so you're seeing like a lot of Sega games come out on, on the, on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's, it's just really, really cool to see. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very cool. I mean, especially after we saw like the resurgence, I was just, uh, talking the other day about how it's cool that you can get every single Mega Man that ever came out on yeah. Steam. Just, I mean, I'd love to see it on Switch, for sure. 
Totally. And not to mention, you know, like all these independent releases are coming out like crazy. Like I've been talking with this company, Strictly Limited Games, because they're going to release our type dimensions EX in physical form on February 24th. And of course, I'm going to buy it. And then I'm going to go get that Darius collection that's coming out in Japan just like what, mm. a few days later. So I guess oh, yeah. I'm eating ramen for the rest of the month. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Typical sure. we'll habit. You know, they have great flavors nowadays. Yeah. You know, you the <laughs> they do, and it's cheap, and I don't have to worry about, you know, cleaning up afterwards because there's ramen. Listen, <laughs> you say cheap, I say fiscally responsible. Oh, perfect. <laughs> See, that's why we're friends, because you, you sum up the point beautifully. That's a, yeah, It's all worth it. It's yeah. all worth it. Perfect. I know how to change the words. It's not perfect. <laughs> Welcome. And uh, that's going to lead us down to the part of the show called What Are You Playing? We get some games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Stephen, with you being our special guest, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? You know, I, I cannot stop playing Rocket League for the life of me. I can't do it. <laughs> he streams it, too. I, I've watched him, like, I, like a few nights, everything like that. He's he, he just in there. He's just talking up a storm with his mods, and they're just they have a field day with that. It's just hilarious. It's, uh, it's interesting, because I always get people who are like, I don't understand. Oh, you're having conversations and you're scoring goals. It's like I, I've I've learned very quickly. You you shift your eyes, you read for three seconds, and then you go right back to looking what you're doing. You're like Zen with it's, the game in that yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. I I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I I feel like at this point in time, the the uh, Rocket League is going to become a retro game very soon because it's it feels like it was like out yesterday, but it's been like a hundred years since it's been released. So <laughs> it's been out for like a while for sure. Yeah. Yeah, boy, I was Mike Krecky. It was 1907 when Rocket League first came. <laughs> <laughs> I was pushing my carriage and I said, damn it, Helen, the stupid depression. I just want to play Rocket League. <laughs> Back in my day, we used cars to play soccer. Yeah, right. <laughs> feet? What do you mean feet? I don't use them, no. Uh, feet. That's right, that's yeah, right. Use a car. Come on. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> <the> skill. <laughs> Yeah, but other than Rocket League, uh, it's been pretty much just that, checking out the new Apex Legends mm. and uh, oh, yeah. trying to chastise Astroneer into doing a little bit better on accessibility. But <laughs> other than that, you know, uh, pretty, pretty much the same old, same old. I, I, I gotta say, I, I really was surprised. Uh, I made this joke the other day because it, it's funny to me. It's 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 just like the whole Hitman thing, right? It's uh, Everybody thought that Anthem was, was the one that was going to come out, right? But mm -hmm. in the end, it ended up being Anthem that was trapped in the room with Apex. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, uh, but I really like it. It's a, it's a fun game. That's cool. That's awesome, yeah. How about you there, Robert? Um, I've been playing a few different things. Uh, I've been getting back into um, my PlayStation 3 for a little bit just because I'm feeling nostalgic. So I've been checking that out. Uh, but I've run into the best of some of the games and some of the worst of some of the games. Um, for instance, uh, I played Ratchet & Clank A Crack in Time again because uh, it's kind of funny because Insomniac celebrating their 25th anniversary mm, yeah. uh, this year. And they just released a video, you know, talking about it. And it's just been really cool. Uh, so I've been going back and playing what I consider one of my favorite uh, Ratchet and Clank games of all time. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, but then again, uh, I've also been playing a lot of garbage. I found Fast and Furious Showdown, <laughs> which <laughs> is quite simply one of the worst drive. This game makes Cruising USA look like Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> that, that's, that's how bad it looks. It's just because it doesn't even have Vin Diesel in it. It has like cheap voice actors and it's just it's terrible it's it's a terrible i i couldn't trade it in fast enough it was just so bad and then 
I've been playing my Xbox 360 a little bit too. I've been playing this game called uh, Spider-Man: Friend of Foe. Uh, it came oh, yeah. out. It came out for um, PlayStation 2 and Wii. Best version is Xbox 360. Has a weird thing when you start it up. It, uh, like it'll freeze on the main title screen if you don't hit like the menu button right away. It's something with the newer models of the system. It's weird, but. Mm. Um, the cool thing is, is, like, once you do start it, it's a fun beat-em-up. Like, he teams up with all sorts of different characters, including, like, Silver Sable, Black Cat. He actually teams up with the villains as well. It's it's an engaging little beat-em-up, and it's I thought it was real fun. So uh, I thought I'd mention that a little bit here. And then, uh, finally, I've been playing a little bit of Metro Exodus, but I can't talk about it yet because it's under embargo. But I will talk about it in full next week along with Jump Force. So there'll be a lot to talk about next week uh it's just you just didn't i heard you talk about it right there you just said the yeah. word. i didn't but i didn't <laughs> say what yeah. we've been to nope nope i'm turning <laughs> away fine. yeah you know slap me you know because i'm a horrible person don't you <laughs> well according to tj miller anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tj miller and colin moriarty i'm a terrible person oh there you go yeah yeah that's true that's true i'm just i'm just we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> but um <laughs> No, come on. We mentioned that we're playing Toe Jam and Earl back in a groove, too, but we haven't talked about it. We just yeah, mentioned yeah. it. Exactly, yeah. So I know, um, yeah, I know we still have, like, a bit of time, like, before Toe Jam and Earl, uh, you know, at least that we could talk about it, like, before it goes uh, from embargo. Yeah. Um, as far as what I've been playing, I've still been playing uh, through Resident Evil 2 Remake, uh, so I'm playing through uh, Leon's B campaign under hardcore mode. Um, oh, it's been slow getting, like, it's kind of, like, get through it, especially when Mr. X shows up and, like... You know, I feel like I don't know if this is like because of the fact it's on hardcore mode, but for whatever reason, Mr. X seems to find me a lot quicker than he normally would before. Um, so it just kind of made things like a lot harder and like having to like walk around the police station just so as to make sure he doesn't hear me. Um, but yeah, even then, like, you know, with, you know, dealing with him and dealing with liquors at the same time and like, you know, Aaron zombies kind of like hanging around because like, you know, like all the enemies are stronger since it's under hardcore mode. Uh, it just made it like a lot harder, but, um, definitely, um, you know, I'm definitely getting through it though. So like, I'm just kind of slowly but surely getting through that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much all, all I've been playing aside, you know, outside of like Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, but yeah, can't really talk about that just yet, but it will be coming out very soon at the end of this month. Uh, so with that, I do have a game code here to give away. Uh, so the game is Take the Cake on Steam. So test your wits in Take the Cake, a puzzle platformer that challenges you to help a friendly furball retrieve a stolen cake from evil robots. Built around physics and color-changing abilities, the game lets you interact with a handmade rocket, change the furball's color, and fight bosses to progress through 27 levels across five different environments. Can you help Frank retrieve his cake before it's too late? So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Again, this is for Steam. Uh, the code is M9RAW42ME936Z6D. Again, that's Take the Cake on Steam. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Stage of History. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we're going to be talking about uh, like the most accessible games out there, I, you know, I came up with like some of the easiest games to kind of like you know play and get into, and just, just to kind of play, basically. Uh, starting off with Video Olympics. Uh, so this is a 1977 sports game by Atari. It was one of the nine original launch titles for the Atari 2600. It was rebranded by uh, it was rebranded by Sears as Pong Sports, and an arcade game released a year later called Tournament Table had a similar collection of Pong games. So basically, it's like a collection of like Pong style games, uh, you know, all like a little bit different, but essentially still like you know Pong, like moving the paddle around, and hitting the ball and stuff. Uh, so, Robert, have you played a Video Olympics? 
it's been ages, <laughs> but uh, I, I do remember it from a while back. Uh, it was definitely a neat little game for its time. I think I got more into like track and field from Konami when that came out. But I mean, for like you know early '80s, like late '70s, early '80s sort of entertainment, this this wasn't bad. I mean, granted, it was better if you had like a friend to play against because you know it, it's just not the same playing something like Pong against like an AI that's either too sharp or oh, I'm just gonna get the ball right past you. You know, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it helps to have, you know, other players around. It was it was definitely the party game for its time in, mm. in terms of like, you know, getting people involved and playing against him to see who would go for the gold, as it were. The Jackbox games of its time. But yeah, almost. Almost oh, in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah almost. Kind of. <laughs> but it, it, I, I just I'm sorry. It's been ages since I played it. And if I played it now, I'd be like, wait, this isn't Bomberman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's definitely it was for its time. It was a pretty sweet game. But yeah. I mean, I can definitely understand, you know, why like Atari marketed it sort of, sort of like a, a competitive game for its time. But one, it was really simple and really easy to get into which yeah. I thought was really cool. I mean, this was like around the time like when there were a lot, a lot of Pong clones out there. So like Atari was trying to almost beat the Pong clones by coming out with Pong clones of their own, really, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So uh, it was just coming out with all these different iterations of Pong. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really beat like the original in that case. Um, so Steve, like, like, have you played this or Pong or like any any of those games, basically? Yeah, back in the day when I used to have an Atari, yeah, I got, I got into video games when I was really young with the Atari, but I think I'm thinking of the right game, and I have to look it up to make absolute sure, but I think that was the one that had, like, a javelin toss and all that, but with its 8-bit graphics, I don't remember I don't remember playing it too much. I was super always into the tennis for some reason. I don't remember why, but it really... I remember being enthralled with that game for hours, for no apparent <laughs> reason. And I'm not even a big guy that's using the tennis. I'm just like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Like, like back then too. I mean, like just because you just didn't really see anything like that before. So yeah, uh, so, yeah it's really neat. Uh, so the next game we have here, the stage of history, is Flower. So we're really jumping forward in time here because uh, this is a 2009 adventure game by that game company. It was intended as a spiritual successor to the studio's previous release, Flow. Game design was focused on arousing positive emotions rather than being challenging. And before beginning work, the development team commissioned two pieces of music that they felt would inspire the right emotional tone for the game to guide their efforts. So uh, this is a game I always like to show to people like who don't normally play video games or even to like, you know, friends of mine's kids in a lot of ways, because like it's just like so easy to kind of get into. Like it's literally just holding the uh, the DualShock 3 basically and uh, just like moving the controller around to guide like the flower petals around to, uh, to you know, to basically make the garden like whole again. Um, so it's a uh, it's a really neat, really beautiful game too. Like you know, just, especially with the music, as I mentioned in the notes, and um, it's, it's just you know, it's just like a really cool game for anyone to get into. Yeah, um, the composer's name was Vincent Diamante, and he did an amazing job in regards to just setting the right tone for the soundtrack. And uh, the thing about Flower, I mean, it, it's a short adventure. There's only like six main levels and one credits level, but I mean, the way it, it plays, it really involves you, and there is an interesting story as things change as you go along. Long, uh, which is really something like you know there, there's even like this 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 one part uh in which you go through what looks like a field at night and you, and you see all these lights that that start to really come together until you reach the city and then the city's all of a sudden a completely different structure and, and then all of a sudden you have to basically go through this dark dank city and turn it into something breathing and living 
Mm, you know, by, by yeah. doing very little, you know, and I think that that was a mesmerizing thing. I think that's what put that game company on the board. I mean, they did, they did flow beforehand, but flower is the game. I think that put them on the map. And then obviously we got journey and, you know, whenever it's done, we'll get sky as well. So, I mean, it's been like a short, but sweet kind of journey, I guess, Derek, lack of a better <laughs> word, yeah. uh, for that developer. But, you know, I think flower was a very important step for them. And I think, you know, being able to present a game that, you know, made it so simple to play and yet something you could really get into is really cool. For sure. Yeah. Um, now, Steve, I was, was kind of curious, like, um, I guess, like on your thoughts as far as like Flower being like a very accessible game, basically, for everyone to play. You know, I think the thing about accessibility is it it's not about whether there are lots of buttons or that it's quote, something is quote unquote easy or difficult. It Accessibility is a living, breathing entity. It, it's like fire in a way. It sort of does what it wants, and you have to sort of learn how to control it and make it do what you need it to do. Um, you know, like for example, um, I think about the 1993 classic Shining Force, which is one of my favorite Sega classics. Um, super amazing game, and really all you needed was six buttons up, down, left, right, A and B, and you could play the entire game. You didn't need you know anything special or fantastic and you know that's what's sort of great about retro gaming in general is just that it is accessible almost by default especially you know for an rpg turn-based kind of thing that's particularly accessible um but uh i would i would love to see um our industry go back to making those kind of things where the effort is more put onto thinking about how the storyline is going to come together in so as opposed to making things so uh dependent on whether or not it's pretty um you know i love my my pretty graphic games and i loved assassin's creed odyssey for that exact reason because it's beautiful right and it's it's very immersive but at the same time uh i really fell in love with the characters in in shining force as a young kid you know just because i liked reading the backstories i liked being tactical and you know it was uh it's a pretty good memory and it also had a really great soundtrack absolutely yeah yeah and um, yeah, and so like that's that's really like, a really good point, honestly, because like obviously with like Robert and I, like we're not, um, I guess like as much to know, I guess like with um, you know, with like accessibility with games, and like that's you know that, that's that's like a, you know like a big reason why we you know why we have you like on board actually, so to kind of like you know help like educate us as well as like everyone else kind of like on it. Um, uh, so that's like a really good point, and uh, you know especially with like retro games, I guess being like accessible almost by you know by, by default because of how they're certainly simpler to play than like games of today, like where there's like just a lot more buttons involved and more combinations to remember and things like that. Um, so yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you know that's definitely a good point. I certainly wouldn't have thought of like Shining Force as being being a, an example of that, but that's definitely a good point since it's not Twitch based in a lot of ways. Um, I, I, I guess it would be like a lot different than um, you know if, if you think of like Broly Legs, who is like the uh, the Street Fighter player. Um, you know, since like Street Fighter is definitely more like Twitch based and like more like, you know, skill based, more like, you know, more buttons evolved and all that stuff. But he is like, you know, he can still like really hold his own and can really like beat like a lot of people really, um, despite like all the, um, you know, the, like all the, like the hardships really he has to kind of like overcome in order to, in order to play. And that's why accessibility is a mindset and it's not a feature, right? So something that, you know, we like to remind people is accessibility is not a checklist that you can just look at a game and go, mm-hmm, yep, check, mm-hmm, oh, it's got that, yep, mm-hmm, check. It's, right. it's not something <laughs> that you can, you know, go through a food processor and just grab. It's It's got to be a mindset where you're thinking about A to B to C to D to Z, where, you know, how would so-and-so do this if they could only do this or they can only do that? And, you know, 
uh, Broly Legs is a great example because Street Fighter is accessible to him. And if you were to put me and him side by side, we're both profoundly disabled. But Street Fighter, super accessible to him. Completely not for me. Um, right. <laughs> you know, um, Rocket League is a game that I love to play, not a game he loves to play. And, you know, mm. it, it just it really just depends on the way that your disability or your um, challenges with playing a certain game have manifested over time, you know, um, when it comes to games. Just like, you know, tennis on Atari was fine for me back in the day because I had X amount of abilities then. And, you know, I don't know if it will be accessible to me now because you got to use the directional pad, which is not my friend personally. So mm, um, gotcha, yeah, yeah. I think it just it just depends. I think um, as long as people are thinking about accessibility as, as in terms of what you can do, uh, unfortunately, our industry also decided to use the term accessibility when it comes to just can they get the games into the hands of the player? And that's, you know, uh, it, it muddies the water a little bit, right? So um, yeah. one of the things I like to say is uh, just because something's more accessible doesn't mean it's more accessible. Meaning, you know, just because you can get your game on Switch and the Vita and the 3DS and any other console you can think of, and it's more accessible, quote-unquote, because it's in the hands of more people, doesn't mean it's necessarily easier for those people to play. So, right. yeah, sort of a balancing act. I, I would argue that that just makes the game more available rather than accessible yeah. <laughs> in that case. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they chose accessible over available. That would be a way better turn. That's going to lead us now into Obscura. And for Obscura, I wanted to kind of take a route of um, choosing a not-so-likely game hero um, for a video game. An usually, unlikely one, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we usually see video games, we see these knights with swords or, you know, like these kick-ass babes with mach- with guns or whatever. I mean, usually they're great heroes, don't get me wrong, but it's very seldom we get, like, a game that has you struggle as, like, an everyday person. And... Um, the game I wanted to talk about here is called Lester the Unlikely. This came out for Super Nintendo in 1994. It was published by DTMC. It was developed by Visual Concepts. Uh, Visual Concepts worked on a ton of games in the night. Like, I'm looking over between 1993 and 1994. They worked on everything from Madden NFL 94 to Tasmania to Claymates to Nickelodeon Guts. I mean, uh, did, I don't think they slept. I really don't think <laughs> But Lester the Unlikely was an interesting game because you play as a typical teenage boy named Lester who's kind of a geeky and sleepy kid um he gets an issue of a comic book called the super duper hero squad and he falls asleep next to a cargo great cargo crate lying on a ship and after that he's accidentally like transported after pirates take over like the ship and he finds like an island where he must find his way home by exploring the island and doing these things to survive but he you know he like i said he's not a superhero so he has to like you know go through all these different actions in order to get it done it, it was really interesting, like how this game came across. It's got like sort of Prince of Persia style gameplay, but like I said, it's not really built around violence. Uh, it's built more around like, you know, trying to figure out things with this kid. And I thought that game stood out because, you know, at the time, it's a lot of people were like, well, I could never be in a video game, you know, not unless I, you know, dressed as a ninja and got to beat up 90 people or something. But, right. <laughs> you know, here you got this kid who's just trying to get back home, you know, and it was an interesting take at the time in terms of like Super Nintendo platformers. Um, alas, the game's not really that memorable. Some people just kind of found it forgettable, uh, a little bit frustrating at times. But, you know, like Nintendo Power, they liked it. They thought it was a pretty cool game. And, you know, for a sleeper, it, it's really not that bad. 
Um, it's just, like I said, an unlikely, if you will, choice for something to really go through. But it, it really presents this interesting scenario, like what would happen if you just played this ordinary person? And, you know, these days we're kind of getting hints of that. I mean, there was that one game, uh, Stephen, what was that game that you played where you have the kids running around in the school and the psycho killers going after them and the kids <laughs> can't do much? What was the name of that game? You mean Dead by, Day- Dead by Daylight? Yeah, well, no, not Deadlight. It was one where they were within the school. Uh, oh, it's uh, it also kind of like a newer game. Yeah, too, it was though. one uh, that, that I saw at PAX East last year, but the name escapes me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I saw Funhouse playing that, so I think I know which one you're talking about. I'm trying to think of all the killer games we've had lately. We've there's had been a lot. lot of them. There's been a yeah. lot of yeah, a lot, lot of psychos out there. I'm <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I just want to say, like, some killing done. I, I just think it's kind of neat how, like, you have these games in which you play this ordinary person and they're doing the best to survive. I mean, Dead by Daylight also does a good job of that. You like to have these survivors who who can find yep. these weapons and try to delay the killer, but they can't mm. really stop them. You know, and it's almost like, like Mr. You know, X in that case. Yeah, so. right. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe if you stop shooting his damn hat off, Dave. Okay, That's you're too much fun, Robert. <laughs> you are insane. But, uh, you know, but um, with go ahead. But yeah, with um, with like Lester, the unlikely though. I mean, like, it, like I think comparing it to Prince of Persia might be like a good point actually because of the way that. Uh, the animation's very deliberate, especially, like, making jumps and, like, how, like, shallow his jump is and all that. Um, so it's very, like, I don't know, super animated in that sense, but that doesn't necessarily make for a good game yeah, in a I lot mean, of ways. Yeah, I mean, you gotta be patient with it. By the way, the game is Last yeah. Year of the Nightmare, and it's coming to Last consoles year, next yeah. month. That's the one, because I, I know, I swear I saw Steven playing it one time, and I don't know if he was doing the murder. Oh, no, he was doing the murdering. That's right. I yeah. <laughs> that was. I don't want to talk about that because I, I, Steve is not a bad person. I enjoy murdering people. What can I say? Steve is the murderer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that. Uh, but no, I mean. Hey, you want to come over for cookies tomorrow? I, I'm good. I'm good. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just wave at you at Paxi's from a distance and I'll be good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, That's how I get no. you. <laughs> but I, I just like the idea of, a, of an every person if you will, and every man and every woman, something like that, coming into the game and just, you know, I think it adds to the fear. I, mm. I, I think there's something about, you know, when you have a challenge to overcome, it, it's a little more interesting to do it with a kid like Lester than it is, say, with Prince of Persia. I, I think there's a neat angle to that. Yeah. Just sort of like if you're fighting for survival last year, the nightmare, and you had this unstoppable killer, Stephen, uh, doing something <laughs> and, and these kids who just want to, like, get out of there in one piece, you know, so I, I, there was a small comparison there. Yeah, yeah but, I think it's everybody loves the the, the quote unquote underdog story. Everybody loves the every person story. And, yeah. I mean, this this is why you've had you know the the girl or guy or they next door mm-hmm. uh, trope forever because everybody loves to think that you know most of us are just average people. We're not you know uh, not necessarily not since don't necessarily be something special to be murdered by a killer. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then it kind of reminded me of something I was originally going to use for Obscura, but David thought it was too new. But uh, it's a game called Way of the Pacifist. It's an indie game that's for household games. Yeah. So it's a you don't actually strike anybody. It's more like parrying, dodging, and dashing. And then when they're ready to pass out, you just push them over, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> that's really about it. One of the most accessible games on the market. Too. It's pretty neat. I, I I like the way that it's a brawler, but it's not a brawler. <laughs> you know, like it's it, it's more of like a rhythm game, really. In yeah, ways, so. yeah, rhythm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like DDR style rhythm, but it's definitely something where you like you get into some sort of enemies' attack patterns, and and then you figure it out, and then mm-hmm. of course you push them over when they're exhausted. I guess. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, like I said, I really, I like ideas in that where you're playing this person who's not super bulky, John Cena type, 
striker type whatever but yeah exactly uh, I, I think yeah. it's a, it's pretty neat to see games like that and you know Lester the unlikely kind of led the way and we saw what happened with visual concepts you know they continued developing all these games and eventually they became you know the studio behind the MA 2k franchise and for a while there nfl 2k so i mean yeah they've really taken off and it's really impressive so yep uh if you get a chance if you got super nintendo track down a copy of Lester the unlikely it shouldn't be too expensive if you're curious give it a look there you go. Definitely by uh, way of the pacifist too. I mean, also not sure if you know this or not, but um, our buddy half coordinated uh, did the consulting on that personally. Nice uh, for for accessibility. Um, we've able gamers has been in contact. I've been friends with the guys over and gals over at uh, Household Games Forever. They've been leaning on us for accessibility, but they went a step further and uh, they actually got half to come in and and be their in house consultant, which is. Not something that every studio, cough, cough, big studios, even do with their thousands and millions of dollars. Mm. Um, you know, uh, so I really like that not only did they want to make a game that everybody could play, but uh, they actually went the step of consulting and then finding a gamer with disabilities to employ. Yeah, I, I actually interviewed those guys, too, and they're they're super, super nice. And uh, it, it's, it's really great to hear that they that they worked with you guys all, you know, also like over at Able Gamers just to kind of make sure that their game was accessible and uh, you know so, so that everyone can play it. So that's great. Yeah, and I really yeah. hope it shows up on Switch someday because I think it'd probably find a really good audience there. It'd be great on Switch, yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. And that's going to lead us now to our main topic, which is basically looking at the most accessible games in history. Uh, so basically, we're we're going to be having uh, Stephen kind of help, kind of guide us a little bit, I guess, like as far as uh, you know, I, I guess like guide you through like, the flames, really, to kind of use your analogy <laughs> uh, to figure out like the most accessible games, uh, you know, at least from from like retro gaming anyway. Because um, like the ones that I personally think of uh, whenever I think of like accessibility, and um, you know, and you know, and please please like prove me like if I'm like wrong on this here, Stephen. Uh, but I think of games like you know Pong or Pac-Man, Tetris, Frogger, like games that just don't require a lot of like you know buttons or or like a lot of um and a lot of like i guess like uh kind of like planning ahead as far as like what you're doing and stuff so like uh, th- that's kind of like what i think of i was, was kind of curious in your take as far as like retro games and like their accessibility i mean you're not wrong they are technically accessible and when you think about games like pong and whatnot you know they are technically accessible but then again uh to uh latch off of that a lot of games that are made specifically for the disability audience which are games for rehab or games for learning things after, say, a stroke or when you need some PTOT. Those are also extremely accessible. They're also boring as crap. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, yeah, when you, when you talk about most accessible, um, you're talking about games that, you know, are, are not very intuitive with their design. Oftentimes they are the ones where developers uh, didn't think through how to make something fun. They thought how to make it useful as a tool so you know instead of having the fancy hammer with the glitter and the bedazzles and you know the tassels they just have a plain old iron hammer and you know it's good for what it does um but you know it it doesn't mean it's necessarily what i'd call the best accessible most accessible best accessible for me are the games that you want to play because they're amazing and fun whether they were made in 1990 or 2010 or 2019 but they also used uh good game design Jumping off of that, uh, one of my favorite is uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the MMO for the computer, um, you know, uh, was one of the games that we awarded as most accessible. And when we went to award them with it, kind of infamously, I got into it with their creative director on a panel live at PAX East because (laughs) he tried to be like, well, 
it wasn't because we designed it to be accessible. It was just because we designed the game and then it just happened to be accessible. So I don't think this really counts. And I was like, look, dude, accessibility is just good game design. So you're 100% wrong. You designed a good game. It's accessible to people because you thought about people's quality of life, which is now something you can see in patch notes where they talk about quality of life improvements. And it's just good game design. So when you're thinking about a good game, you're just thinking, was this designed really well? It's funny that he would like argue against like a va- like like a positive point to his game, though. That that's kind of the, yeah. the odd thing to me, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we we didn't get along too well after that, but yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, whenever you're thinking about a game, you know, whatever your favorite retro games are, you think, you know, was there things that they could have done that would have made this more fun for me because I wouldn't have had to click an extra six buttons just because they wanted me to click more buttons. Right. That's the kind of things that make it accessible. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I guess like games that like where they're like designed to a point where, you know, it, it just, it just logically makes sense, I guess for, for like the players. And like, so the accessibility is not necessarily from the simplicity of the uh, controls themselves, but more of like just the intuitiveness, I guess, of the, of the game, of the game design and like how it plays. Yeah, sometimes I think they lean very heavily on monotony as a way to quote unquote make a game. Like go farm twenty seven paws from wolves. And it's like, oh <laughs> well, okay, why am I doing that? Why am I wasting my time with this? Oh okay, well, how about I just kill them and the paws just get into my backpack so I don't have to stop and loot each one. You're back to murder there, Steven. I bring out the worst in him. I bring out the worst in you, don't I? I really do. Man, I'm a horrible person. But I um, I could go talk to TJ Miller. Hold on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'll I'll talk about that at the end of the show. (laughs) I got enough people mad at me this week. But um, I wanted to talk about 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 like how uh, developers these days are adding accessibility in in different features. Like I just linked uh, uh, an article to Polygon there. Uh, we're talking about how the Uncharted Four developers were talking about how they added accessibility options to the game because they heard about a player who was having trouble, like you know, mashing a button to get through like a quick time event or something like that. So they kind of did something there. But then that also ties in, I think, with people who are struggling with certain games. You see this thing called assist mode that's yep. added. Like Celeste has it. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe has it. I think there's a couple other games out there, which it, it doesn't really, you know, go through the entire game for you, but you can like, you can turn on stuff to kind of make it like a little less strenuous. Because I know some people, you know, they like the hardcore style of play, but not everybody's into that. You know, not everybody's into, right. you know, doing the hard because sometimes they can't, you know, it's like, you know, it, it can be difficult for some people to mash a button. You, you, you know, it's so you need to set up these options to kind of make things a little more accessible. So yeah, uh, it, I wanted to get your take on there, Steven. I mean, listen, uh, it's all about the developers. And that, that is what uh, we are preaching so much at Able Gamers um, is, is it's a mindset, right? So I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. It's, it is really just about the mindset of have I made the best experience I possibly can for every single player group that I would have that plays my game? Uh, what if uh, you're playing any any game you want, whether it's you know Shining Force or whether it is Uncharted 4? What if I don't enjoy the murder that Steve enjoys so much? What if I don't <laughs> want to stab things? What if I just want to go absorb the story? Well... Why can't I have a mode where everything dies with one hit or you don't have to do combat at all? Hmm. Why, why can't you have a mode like that? It's like a, why de- do it's I like a debug to- mode, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, why can't we let people enjoy the story that we paid people thousands of dollars to come up with? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's, you know, uh, not 
something that everybody has to do. And it can be an option you hide in your menus where if someone's not looking for it, they're never even going to find it. But if they are somebody who doesn't want to do combat, they're going to look for combat settings and then they're not going to do it. I mean, Assassin's Creed is doing it right, right now. They've been doing it for the last 12, 14 years mm. where, you know, you can go through and you can play super badass mode where you have to murder everybody very carefully or you will get taken down. Or you can basically sneeze on people and 12 people die. So, you know. I mean, it's just a matter of how you want to play. I'm sorry, so, the yeah. sneeze of death? Is that possible? We call it the Pax Pox here. But, uh, Pax Pox. That's fair. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, there's I, also... Oh, go ahead. Derek. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, because I, I guess that's not too unlike, um, I guess, like, games having, like, a narrative mode, like, the, the like, more story-driven games in that sense. And, like, I guess, I guess like, the narrative mode, um, you know, for, like, a lot of people would be, would be considered, like, easy mode or whatever. But really, it's a way yeah. of, like, making the game more accessible by, like, you know, by eliminating some of the uh, more strenuous gameplay elements in, in a game in order for people to, you know, to actually get through it. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the problem, right? Is when when we started doing this 15 years ago, uh, I'm entering my 14th year overall now doing accessibility in the video game industry. And back then, accessibility was thought of as needed for people who were in wheelchairs or people who needed special assistance because, you know, they had a learning disability or someone who, you know, was stereotypical on some sort of Sarah McLaughlin commercial. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's not the case right now, right? Uh, Microsoft has what they call the baby in the room test. It has nothing to do with a disabled person whatsoever, but it's about subtitles, which is accessibility. It is about if you have a baby in your room, can you play your game if there was a baby that was sleeping and would you not oh, miss any of the experience? That's a good point, yeah. The baby in the room test. And there are all kinds of tests I could go through and take up three hours of podcast time to talk about <laughs> where it has nothing to do with a disabled person. Accessibility is just a matter of making sure that people are comfortable and happy and getting the most of the experience they can possibly obtain. Yeah, but sometimes it's just a matter of pointing out games that maybe would be better suited in terms of a story. Like, I came across this one game that took me by surprise called Away, Journey to the Unexpected. And it's described as a feel-good first-person shooter, which I never thought we'd see that, really. <laughs> so, uh, well, some of us enjoy murder, Robert. So. <laughs> I'm sorry you enjoy murder so much, Steve. <laughs> I'm just saying, for like some people, you know, maybe presenting an option in which they go a different way. I mean, like, I kind of think of Portal 2. In fact, the Portal series in general, that series isn't really based around, you know, it's a first-person shooter, but it's not based around, you know, going and shooting people in the head or whatever. Instead, you know, you're shooting these portals, you're trying to get through these rooms, and yet it's an amazing experience because of the value that Valve put into it. And likewise, you know, Away is this really surprising game that, you know, will grow a few people. I'll be like, wait a minute. I mean, it's got action in it, but it's more like, like I said, you know, not super heavy, violent, making things explode. You know, maybe it'd be the game that everybody can grasp onto. So, I mean, it, it is good for developers to have those options, but it's also great to, like, you know, recommend games that, um, you know, if they're looking for something that has the elements they're looking for, but takes it in a different direction. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's really great for developers to consider that there are multiple kinds of audiences for everything that they'd want. I, I think about um, the the Sunless Seas. That's a great game. Um, you know, uh, games where it's where it's story driven, like Journey. I mean, well, what an amazing concept to have it just be about you know what you're going through along the way instead of worrying about whether or not you have murdered enough wolves. I think that's just cool. 
St- Steven's just, he, he contemplates how he can murder Nixon in his games, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something about wolves. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to name this wolf Craig. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And, um, the, 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 and uh, you know, also, like, since we're talking about, like, uh, about, like, accessibility, we, 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 like, remiss to not mention the, um, uh, the, like, adaptive controller that's, uh, that, that, like, Microsoft came out with. Um, and there was like the big like Super Bowl commercial as well, uh, like like on that, which uh, I would I would argue honestly was like the best commercial of, of like the whole Super Bowl. Honestly, like it was, it was a really really good commercial. Um, I, I was kind of curious on your take there, Stephen, as far as um, you know, like how like you know like what your thoughts are, I guess, like on the adaptive controller and how you think it could be like improved upon and like how it can be used and like all sorts of other things, maybe even beyond gaming. I know it was the uh, longest and best three and a half years of my life having to keep that in secret <laughs> while we worked with Microsoft to, do, to develop that. Um, you know, I, I, it's uh, personally, it's amazing on a couple of levels because one, here's a product that I personally helped develop on a Super Bowl commercial. Holy crap, ball cracker. Like it is, you know, not something a 12-year-old me would have ever believed would happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, and, and another thing that 12-year-old me would not have believed would happen would be that disabled gamers in general would have attention being paid to the group with, you know, a, a Microsoft ad, um, you know. And I think on top of that, you see some really interesting things happening where uh, keen people who are watching closely or have listened to me on a podcast will see that it was called the Microsoft Adaptive Controller. Its actual name is the Xbox Adaptive Controller, and sometimes, depending on what you Google it as, it's the Able Gamers Adaptive Controller. So people have, you know, its official name is Xbox. Uh, people confuse it as the Able Gamers Controller because our name is just synonymous with disabled gamers. But Microsoft choose, chose to tag it with their own name and you know, not even push it off on the brand of Xbox. Just this is for everybody. And, you know, I think that's great. I, I wish that they had mentioned all the consultants and people that have helped along the way you know there was a lot of agencies that poured their time into it including able gamers and a lot of individual consultants as well and while everybody can't you know have their time in the sun it would have been nice for them to say something like you know we consulted with actual gamers with disabilities to make this amazing thing so everyone can play you know and you know i I wish they had done the marketing a little differently i've been pretty vocal about that sure i'll receive an angry email from microsoft here eventually (laughs) um but um you know, it, it was great. I'm glad. If nothing else, it brought attention to the fact that gamers with disabilities want to play video games. And, you know, we we enjoy games, whether it's games that were made this year or 25 years ago. Uh, you just need that avenue to be able to play. Yeah. You know, having like the like attention on top of it as well is just like su- such a huge thing, and uh, for people to realize, as you said, that like you know people with with like disabilities uh, still game and want the game, and um, you know the less barriers that we have like in front of that, like the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one of the hardest points uh, is exactly what you're saying. That one of the hardest things is that some people either a think that no people with disabilities want to play games because question mark question mark question mark. Um, right, <laughs> and and I've heard other people who are just being jerkbags say, "Well, people with disabilities usually they use more harsh terminology, uh, have more important things to worry about." And it's like, okay, so number one, by saying that, I realize you're not a gamer. Two, um, you know, uh, it's called escapism, uh, and we we all use it, right? So if you're if you're you're listening, right, you you're having a bad day. What do you do? You go for your favorite game because that's your release. Well, what if your release is is a book? Or what if it is reaching for a piece of cake? Or what if it's calling your best friend Johnny? What if it's your best friend Tina? 
you know, uh, we all have things that we use to escape the, the humdrum of everyday life. So, um, you know, I think it's it's sort of asinine that some people believe that video games don't have a place in the lives of people with disabilities. Because, quite frankly, I can't think of a better way to escape my pain levels than by paying attention to if I can get a hockey puck into a virtual goal. Or if you're, or if you're killing something in the wow, right? right yeah, why yeah, is it always killing with you, geez, man? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're the one killing every time. It's always okay, got to be about fine, murder. Fine, fine, fine. The hockey puck. Every time, <laughs> he's killing but those no. goals. <laughs> he's don't, oh, don't say it like that. <laughs> um, but um, no, another great thing that I wanted to point out here before the Super Bowl ad. But by the way, um, the Xbox commercial was just one of the two bright spots for the Super Bowl for me. The other one was Bud Light Game of Thrones, and then that the was game amazing one too. Stunk. I don't care what you say, Dave. The game stunk. It was. It was a bad <laughs> game. It was a bad game. Yeah. yeah it was a bad game. <laughs> but uh, no, I wanted to talk about also what they did with you at the Game Awards last year. Yeah. Because uh, they actually featured you in one of the segments. Because remember, like, what was it? 2017, they were giving away the Trending Gamer yep. Award. You yep. were nominated. Yep. Andrea Renee was nominated. Yet somehow, uh, because of a popular vote, I suppose, Dr. Disrespect yep. won. And, you know, we were like, ah, but, you know, we were like, Steven should have won. Steven should have won. And then last year, during the Game Awards, they featured in this great segment where, you know, like, you know talked about how, how important it is to have accessibility in games and talk about your work with the adaptive controller. And I think between that and the Super Bowl, dude, it's amazing, like how many people have now gotten focus on it. I mean, obviously, there's still some that you know still need to understand how it works, but just having that kind of exposure is really something. It is because it just opens the door in terms of like what the adaptive controller. Because I've I can't play with it. I mean, I haven't played with it enough. I can't really say I'm good at it, but I understand its features, and I think it's just fascinating, like how it just all comes together yeah and it's well here's the thing right so you actually just sort of accidentally hit on it it's not for everybody and and it's it's not as not as in like if you're an able-bodied person it's not for you it's not for every disabled person it's it it oh there are some able-bodied people i know that are currently playing with it because there's a really nifty one-handed controller you can plug in and use like a if you imagine the uh shotgun handle it's got a big handle that fits in the palm of your hand you put your uh, finger up on top of where the uh, hammer would be and you can just control the entire thing just moving up down left right just like uh you would with any of the joysticks and and people love that it's very cool um other people can't do that so it's not you know it's not accessible to everyone and um you know it was it was amazing um you know i've got it pinned on my twitter right now because i'm still honored by you know their choice to uh, nominate me as one of the global gaming citizens um you know i I think um, Jeff and the team felt kind of bad by what happened. Um, you know, it was uh, putting, you know, this, this popular juggernaut, no matter what you feel about the person, whether you like them, don't like them, or feel indifferent, it doesn't matter. It's a popular person. And somebody sure, doing yeah. charity work has no chance versus somebody like that in a popularity contest. So, mm. you know, um, I, I was just honored. I was honored to be nominated, honestly against dr disrespect um you know, it's uh you know i mean i'm i'm on the same plateau with with andrea who is you know my fucking rock star i'm oh, sorry am i allowed to swear uh my freaking yeah yeah star. you're allowed to um, swear. good oh, i'll ask yeah. after okay. i say a word um but um, <laughs> you know uh she, she's amazing and i was happy i mean and half coordinated as well honored at the same time so i was glad to be with them i was glad to be this year with uh the, the global gaming citizen people um, it's not the last that you've heard of um, from people doing good from these kind of things, and I hope that you know I'm. I hope that personally I'm given 
opportunities to help shine the light. I hope Able Gamers is given opportunities. I hope other people that have nothing to do with me or Able Gamers are given a chance to show that the video game industry is full of good people doing good things, and the world needs to recognize that gaming is here to stick. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like, it, I, and I think, um, honestly, like these past few months have, I think, really shown uh, that, you know, that gaming is here to stay and gaming is for, you know, for everyone really to, to like enjoy, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier about like how everyone needs that kind of like escapism, no matter whether it be like with video games or books or whatever it might be. Um, everyone, you know, has like their, their, uh, you know, their preferred method of escapism. And if we can make that that preferred method of, of escapism be, be you know be be accessible for everyone to enjoy, then it, it'll just be like a happier like you know planet really that we're all living on in that case. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I I always like to say it like this, and I think you bring up a great point. If if you could magically look into your gaming past playing with people multiplayer, right? I think you'd be surprised how many people you played with that were celebrities, and how many people you played with that were disabled gamers. Because in both cases, no one in those two groups draws attention to themselves. Sure, you have, you know, Cripple Gamer 123 that plays because they like to have that in their name or whatnot. But like for the majority, yeah, I mean, for the majority of us, though, we don't. It's not anywhere in my name. It never has been in any of my online games. You know, when I revealed that I was a game with disabilities to my clan in Star Wars Galaxies, rest in peace, um, you know, uh, they had no idea. And, and that's how a lot of us like it. Uh, you know, um, according to the MTV special, I played on the same Ultima Online server as Ozzy Osbourne. So, I mean, who knows? I probably <laughs> played with him. And, and you don't, you don't know. You never know. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that's an important thing to look at. Is maybe the next time you're playing with someone, and uh, you don't know if they're doing badly on purpose or if they're kicking your butt, and you think that there's some 14 year old in their mom's basement, maybe consider that maybe they're not be. Maybe they have a different story to tell. Yeah, I mean that's that. That actually kind of reminds me when um, I think like Robin Williams actually like before he died, like he mentioned like how he played World of Warcraft, and I don't think a lot of people realize that they were playing with Robin Williams like in the game. Yep. Um, and like and obviously like after he died, and uh, I know with, with like Blizzard, like they they had like a statue I think of like his uh, his character or whatever, yeah. like as like a, as like a memorial yeah. kind of thing. So um, that, that that's actually like a really good point, and it just kind of goes to show that like you know for people like who like to act shitty online and like you know to cut people out or whatever it might be um, or go after people because like they know that they're like a girl or because like they know that they're different in some way or whatever um, mm -hmm. to kind of think more in terms of of that like they could be you know someone like who you just don't you know quite understand or you're just not in their shoes in that case and so that that level of respect has to be there kind of like across the board really and I think it's just a matter of acceptance too. I mean, like I, I really don't see, but we're we're in like a generation here in which you know, like certain things are frowned upon. Like some people still won't accept the fact that girls like to get into video games. They really do, you know. And there's still people, oh, it's a man, you know, it's a man's club thing or whatever, you know. And so I would think, you know, there would be a situation in which it would be acceptable for all types of players, you know, male, female, disabled, what have you to get into games, you know? And I, I think we just really need to get to that point and have less of these trolls that'd be like, Oh, Oh, well I get to make fun of you. No, no, just no. shut up while I kick your butt at the game. <laughs> you know? That's what it comes down to. I, I think it's, you know, like this week alone, I ran into kind of a, <clears throat> a troll. Uh, I won't say his name, but if you look on my feed, you can pretty much figure out. Um, he was like picking on like a PR firm. He said like they they were they hated him, I guess, and uh, because because of that, he couldn't get a review done in time for his followers. So what's he do? He he explains that not only in the Twitter but also in his email response. 
So, I mean, it was a horrible, unprofessional way to do it. And his followers defended him to the bone. But the fact of the matter is it was just kind of an example of like how some people are on a different level than others in this game industry. And it's it's weird because like, you know, these people are just trying to find their place in here and everything like that. And then you have these people who are like, well, if I'm not treated this way, you know, or they, they act like they're higher up or they're pandering to a community and kind of shutting others out. And I don't know, there, there's there's an indifference there that just, it doesn't sit right with me sometimes because it's like everybody should be able to game and everybody should enjoy themselves. And if you don't get like something going your way, you make a way to make it work or you play something else. You know, I understand if you've got to like meet certain criteria, if you're on Patreon or what have you. But the fact of the matter is, is like, you know, this is not a place for negativity. I, I, I think I expressed this in our end of year episode there, David, where I talked about like, the industry needs to be cool and just be more accepting. Right, right. You know, I, I think handicapped gamers have a place here. I, I think I don't even call them handicapped gamers. I call them gamers because, you know, they, they play games just like us, whether it's with the adaptive controller or whether it's Steven murdering the hockey pucks, whatever. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, I, I think there's just a matter of we need to get to this point where it's more acceptable for just for everybody to game their way, you know, and not be so bitchy and moany, I guess. I mean, we're still going to have the trolls no matter what, but it's just it almost feels like we need to get to this point where it shouldn't be about somebody who's higher up than us because, I mean, we're gamers. No matter what we play, we should be just be considered gamers. Absolutely. You know, at least that's the way I see it. Do I, do I make sense there, Stephen, or am I going off on a rant? No, I mean, it's, I mean, you are ranting, but not necessarily. Yeah. That way. <laughs> um, because here's the thing, um, you know, we, we all are gamers. And I've seen more than mm-hmm. once where people on Twitter have been like, oh, girl gamer this, girl gamer that. And someone comes back and slams them with, you mean gamers? And I think... I love that kind of stuff. It always makes me smile because, you know, it's it's a great reminder by people that, you know, we're all gamers. Whether you're a disabled gamer or you're a gamer with disabilities or you are don't even want to identify as a gamer. A lot of people don't like the word gamer because it comes with a stigma. If you want to be called a player, it doesn't matter. You you are whatever you say you are. And and that to me matters the most. And we shouldn't try to label others. Let 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 us label ourselves. Like I was saying earlier, with uh, the you know person who wants to have disability in their name, some people do, some people don't, and that's their choice. That's their agency to deserve, decide whether they want to be labeled as such and such. So let people decide what they want to be called, and then call them whatever they want, whether it's guy, girl, non-binary, gender fluid, whether it's you know LGBT, robot, robot. I mean, whatever. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. I mean, I, listen. I wasn't going to bring your into this robot, uh, robot Robert, but <laughs> robot Robert. Robot. It's like a Westworld kind of, kind of situation. Robot, yeah, it, it's gonna, yeah. Next week, next week, it's going to be like, "Hello, I am Robert, the man from Denver." Beach. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we do have our friend Andre Tipton in the chat here, and uh, he brings up a very good question here, which uh, which actually was like a topic I remember reading about some time ago. So I was, I'm, I'm actually really curious in your take here, Stephen. Uh, he asked, "What does he feel about the fact that Nintendo has?" done very little to help with the accessibility in their games nintendo is the worst when it comes to any of the publishers for adding accessibility to games i have repeatedly ragged on this in probably every interview you've ever seen me in um <laughs> if you get, uh, google steve spawn nintendo accessibility it's just me just lighting fire to their pr department constantly um i i've, I've gotten nasty grams from them before asking me to please stop and i'm no not until you decide to work with me. Uh, you know, if, if you would reach out to Able Gamers, I'd be happy to work with you. We have we have been inviting them for 
years and years and years. We have a large segment of gamers, 33 million just in America alone. And that number only skyrockets the more of the world you include, right? Um, they want to access Zelda. They want to be able to get into Breath of the Wild. They want to be able to play Mario. They want to throw bananas and shells at their, their friends and loved ones. And, you know, this is this is IPs that everybody wants to love and enjoy. And it's a shame that they, for a while, were so hung up on gimmicky mechanics uh, like the 3DS or like the Wii where you had to maneuver or move things or blow into a gyroscope or, you know, pray to your uh, old gods of the <laughs> third world to, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. yeah, it was like, I mean, now you got Game of Thrones on my brain, the, the new gods and old. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's like, uh, it's, it's sad that they have chosen not to reach out to us, not to work with us. We hope that it continues in the future uh, to, to be a more uh, amicable path where uh, they include everyone but right now uh there's there's just very little accessible and what really makes me mad is that a third party hacker had to help us figure out how to get the Xbox adaptive controller to work with a switch there there should have been a, a right off the top there should have been something that could have been done there and mm. they they chose not to so you know i hope they'll change their ways I mean, it's, it's basically adding adaptability to the adaptive controller in that case. So it should just be automatically right off the bat, I guess, by, by default. So. It should. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think some companies are just so used to doing things their way that when they try to adapt something, they're worried how much it's going to be thrown off. Like, Nintendo is paranoid with their IPs. Like, if they see, like, a fan game put together that, you know isn't even touched by them or isn't even recommended by them, it's gone. Like, it's gone from existence within a matter of minutes if not seconds, you know? So, I mean, sometimes it's a matter of being overprotective, but I, I totally agree. I mean, this is a matter of, it really doesn't take much for somebody, somebody to work together with them to make games more accessible, to play Mario Kart a certain way, to, to play Super Mario Odyssey a certain way. You know, I mean, you'd think it'd be open to the options, but it's Nintendo. I mean, at least, you know, they're, they're making some progress. They're allowing for, like, cross-play with Xbox and PC, so we have that. But there is still, like, a ways to go in terms of letting everybody in, as it were. I mean, you want to talk retro, because that's why we're here, right? So here's mm-hmm. an interesting factoid for you. Did you know that Nintendo was actually the first to come out with an accessible controller? Really? Yes. Back in the 1980s, back in the days of kid nodding and putting his thumbs up at the computer, Back then, uh, Nintendo had a device. Uh, it looked much like a, a trough that you would have for a horse, where you had a collar. Oh, yeah. I saw this on Kotaku, yep. right? The, you, yeah, hang on. I found the yeah. link, actually. You had a collar around your neck, and it brought a joystick up to your face, and you were able to utilize the joystick with your chin, and you could sip and puff to push A and B. And it was the first accessible controller ever. And it was... Hands-free, right? Hands-free, yep. It was amazing. You could play it if you were quadriplegic, paraplegic. It was fantastic. And they sold some, but advertising and marketing wasn't what it was back then. So even people like myself, they may have been interested in that, had no idea it existed because there was no Twitter or Facebook or MySpace or AOL yet. So uh, it, it sort of got discontinued and forgotten. And, you know, it was not cheap. It was like eight or nine hundred dollars back then, which Damn. today would have been two or three thousand. So, right. wow. you know, not cheap. But 
um, really, uh, you know, it, they, they have forgotten their roots. They forgot that they were one of the progressive forward thinking companies. They were a company that we loved their model back in the day. We loved how they thought about it. And now, now they don't. So it's sad. And I hope that they decide to start working with us. Well, maybe if you bring that up to like their, their like attention as you keep flaming them for not being, being like, um, you know, being like accessible enough, then, um, maybe they'll like bring that back in some way and be like modernized and all that. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Better, better that than the Sega activator. Tell you what. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Something that didn't even work. If, even if, yeah, if you could get the motions right, it still didn't work. <laughs> Absolutely. It's that's at all. It's the point is to flame them. But it's from a loving position, too. Like, I don't sure. want Nintendo to go out of business and crash and burn and never see Mario again. I go after these people on our, our interviews and you know our appearances because I want them to allow gamers with disabilities to participate. It's it's not a hatred. And I've had people sometimes message me and be like, oh, why do you hate Nintendo so much? Actually, I don't. If I hated them, I would ignore them and never say their name. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, Nintendo what? So (laughs) I don't, you know, I flame them uh, on Twitter sometimes because I want them to do better. I think they can Mm -hmm. do better and I want them to choose to do better. That's a good point. That's a good point there. So thanks, thanks to, to uh, you know to Andre for that great question. And uh, th- you know, honestly, this has been like a very enlightening topic, really. So thank you, you know, Stephen, for like you know kind of helping us uh, kind of you know figure out, I guess, like the accessibility and like what it means to you know for games to be accessible, and you know, and also bringing up that um, that that NES controller too. That's that's a really yeah. good one. They'll definitely add in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Robert, I believe you have a game code to give away. Um, I do. I have a game code giveaway called Wolverblade. Uh, this is, of course, a game that came out a while ago, but is still a great little beat 'em up from the team over there at Darkwind Media. Uh, essentially, you play as one of three different characters uh, working alongside Britannia as you try to defeat the Romans. It's a hardcore side-scrolling beat 'em up inspired by such classics as Golden Axe, Sengoku, and Knights of the Round. So it's obviously a good one for you. Uh, this code is for Steam. It is zero C four L G. 9K2I8DXMAE. That's for Wolverblade on Steam and enjoy. Choose your character. And that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called Random Select. So this is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character that Robert is this week. Uh, so basically it's going to be Steve and I acting as a team to guess which video game character that Robert is. Uh, if after five questions that we don't get it, we'll, uh, he'll give the first hint. After 10, he'll give the second hint. And if after 15 questions that we don't get it, then it's game over, as Raul Julia would say. So, uh, Stephen, if you want, you can lead us off with the first yes or no question. And it is, by the way, a character we mentioned on the show. So... Yeah. On this show right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This show, okay. Uh, is it John Cena? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real person. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, let's see. Are you okay? I'll, I'll just ask this. Are you a Mortal Kombat character? No. Okay, you're not striker then. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we've kind of done that to death, I think. We've had two Mortal bit. Kombat characters in the last three weeks. So we I did, yeah. <laughs> might go a different route this time, so it's not in Mortal Kombat, no. I, I had to ask, I had to ask. <laughs> of course. Uh, okay, is it a Battletoad? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's we, a fair question, We kind of did though. that, too. But yeah. that is a fair question, since, you know, like, for some reason I have... Well, I explained last week why I like the Battletoads, all right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, are you a Capcom character? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Are you from a... Are you from a current generation, or has your character no longer been around? Mm, 
It's kind of hard to answer that because I am in a game that's in the current generation, but it was introduced a while back. Mm. Okay. So I don't know if that helps. Okay, that's, so the first clue is I'd be pretty killer at basketball. <laughs> okay. Um, have I knocked off your hat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> are, are you Babs Bunny? <laughs> wow. Okay, no way. Just for the sake of argument, yes, I'm Babs Bunny. Yeah, sure. No, Dave, David's no, David, David no. knows who I am. Yeah. Are, are, are you Mr. X? Yes. <laughs> of course, you probably already gotten by the uh, second clue. I'd be like, if you mess with my headwear, I will give it to you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, you so you would have gotten it anyway, but yeah, Mr. X. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Babs Bunny. Where did Babs... What? I, I, that makes no... That's almost like... TJ Miller coming after me on Twitter because I said he'd make a shitty Iago in the new Aladdin movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he actually removed his quote, but I, I swear to God, you know, like I, I mentioned that, you know, Will Smith looks weird as, as the uh, as the new genie, and he does kind of do that. He does. And, yeah. you know, like I, I said, TJ Miller as Iago, no, let's not do that. That'd be dumb. And he's all like, yeah, man, you're not really being cared about by anyone. <laughs> That, just, that's that. That was literally his insult. Like he's he has comedy shows and all that, and he's done stuff. You know, like the Emoji Movie and Big Hero Six. I don't know why. And Deadpool emoji and movie stuff. Movie. Yeah. And Deadpool, right? And that's the best. You can, I would be like, okay, if you say so. And my response, if you say so, got more likes than his quote unquote joke. Yeah. So, and then he deleted it, but my buddy Eric Bailey over there, who was on the show, uh, he saved it. And now, now I'm just I'm pinning that sucker. Be like, yeah, <laughs> this is T.J. Miller, yeah, everybody. But uh, I mean, I don't have anything against him personally. I know he's been in some legal trouble. And yeah, he still is, and he's not the greatest person out there. I mean, I I thought he was funny as Ellen Deadpool and Big Hero Six. But that was great, in that yeah. You know, I'm just like, no. There's only one character that could fit Iago, and that's Gilbert Gottfried. So mm. no, don't replace him <laughs> with somebody like T.J. Miller. That was just a random example, and sure. he, he comes after me. Well, quote unquote, comes after me because that's not really much of an attack. That's just yeah. nobody loves you. So. You didn't add him or anything either. Like it was just literally by name. So obviously he was like searching Twitter for his name randomly. Seriously, <laughs> and then somebody brought that up. Somebody brought that up and said, you know, oh, it must be ego or something. If you have to look on Twitter for your name every five seconds, you know. Yeah. I mean, was was somebody like who I spoke about the other one? Um, you know, I I mentioned their name. And I, I include him in Twitter, and he was nice enough to get back to me and not, you know, say that nobody loves me. You know, he explained his side of things. <laughs> right. So right. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, some things are just weird. So yeah, Stephen, you murder and Babs Bunny. I I don't know what's going. On. <laughs> Listen, you you have literally came to my streams. You know, I am Mr. Random. Uh, that is, that is, <laughs> you really are. Because what, what do you? That's my I, my brand. Next time I'm going to stop him while he's playing Rocket League. Hey, Babs is here. What's up, Babs? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There no, you go. we are not doing that. You're not calling me back. <laughs> <laughs> and but, um, uh, that's yeah, th- and that's uh, episode 149, basically in the books. Uh, so, Steve, where where can people go like to find you online? Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me rambling on Twitter. Steven Spawn, spelled properly, S T E V E N S P O H N. If you want to find me on Twitch, you can follow me playing Rocket League and other shenanigans five nights a week under my. Twitch name Steve in Spawn, just like the comic book S P A W N. I thought it was clever, Steve in Spawn. Uh, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to my buddy Craig for helping me come up with that one. And uh, yeah, if you if you want to find Able Gamers, we're literally Able Gamers 
everywhere that has ever existed and probably ever will. So. And all the search engines, yes. Yeah. And make and they 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 are a good group there, guys. I, I've actually uh, raised money for them in the past. I've donated to them uh, when when I sold the Sichuan sauce. I gave them a good chunk of the money that I got back from them. So yeah, you know, back they, when nobody knew who Mike was, and now Mike is a so a oh, yeah. celebrity. And speaking <laughs> of Mike, I'm so glad you mentioned him because uh, this morning we have finally confirmed that we are indeed. I think we talked about it last week a little bit, but we are indeed hosting. A panel with Mike Harris from McDonald's. It's called Cooking with Power, Food and Gaming with McDonald's Chef Mike. Gamers get hungry just like anybody else. Join Chef Mike Harris from McDonald's and his gaming friends, I guess gaming media friends, to yeah. talk tasty <laughs> treats with a hint of geek. And in the middle of that thread, you know, David just has to bring up the chicken from Tekken 3. Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> just because. But yeah, it's going to be taking place uh, Sunday at noon during PAX East weekend. So, uh, you know, if we have any fans out there, by all means, come out and say hi. Do not call me Babs. And we'll <laughs> we'll get Steven and, and, and like the audience there. Let's call it yell. It's like, bring out yeah. Babs. <laughs> we want Babs. <laughs> I really <laughs> hope this catches on. Better really <laughs> not. I really Dude, do. Dude, I've been trying to, you're, you're trying to do a world of good, and yet you're destroying me. I am. I'm, I'm doing a world of good for you. I'm helping your Twitter. <laughs> How was we it got going? a new meme. We got a new meme. <laughs> as, 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 if, as if TJ <laughs> Miller right. didn't do enough for that for me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> for, those, for those of you Photoshop masters who are listening, I'm oh, giving you freaking... <laughs> You know what? I'm just yeah, we're, we're gonna leave it there. Thanks. <laughs> but no, dude. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Ex- not the Babs thing, but everything else with Able Gamers and your streaming and your murdering and all that. I keep great. doing all of it. All the above. All the above. Thanks, yes. thanks for having me on your Babs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me that. Uh, and if, if you want to follow the Arcast on Twitter, we are at Arc Podcast. Same thing for Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash Podcast. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at the Guilty Man. Follow me on Twitter. It's at twitter.com slash the DCD. I'm not hard to miss, apparently, according to TJ Miller. Please be sure to check out our partner site, Don't Feed the Gamers, at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That's run by our good friend Liana Ruppert, where her and the team there give fan-centric news and reviews in gaming. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at rcasts at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially of the Star Wars variety. There's the flagship show Brews and Blasters, along with Kanata's Castle and Starship Sabres and Scoundrels. There's also Beltway Bonthas, which combines both Star Wars and politics, so if you're of both minds, it's definitely the show for you. And there's also the Animaniacs, if you're an Animaniacs fan. The Deucecast, for all you movie buffs out there. And the Techno Retrodads, if you're into a variety of old-school stuff. There's also us with our cast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another Retro Gaming Podcast. And that's episode 149 in the books, folks. Next week, we will be hitting episode 150. We're mm-hmm. already planning something nice. So until next time, keep it retro. And Stephen, don't murder us, okay? Please. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to add, like, Robert into like, the next, like, Space Jam, right? As Baz Bunny? Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you know what? I'm just going to go away now. <laughs> Boy, oh, you guys. Oh.
Oh, I can't geez. wait to see the Photoshop Masters. This is going to be great. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. it's not going to be great. Oh, brother. <laughs> Feel free to tweet that at me. I'll retweet it for you. Uh, yeah. You know what? Don't. <laughs> Just don't. When, when does it become pick on Robert month? David, don't you say a word. <laughs> All right, guys, I ain't we'll saying see a thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't do yeah, whatever. We'll see you guys next week for episode By the way, you're a you're, uh, you're clear, Guilty Man. Thank you so There you go, yes. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I am not the least bit surprised. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm going to start calling you Debs. How about that, jerk? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> D- dabs, in that case. Yeah. Dabs and Debs, whatever. <laughs> oh, my see gosh. You. Please do DCD as Babs and then Buster doing the dab right beside Bleed. No, there you go. The, ba- the Babs dab. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week, maybe. <laughs> Catch you later. What's up, everybody? My name is Garrett Morlang. Hey, everybody. I'm JJ Prudhomme. And we are the Super Gamer Boys. And we are the preeminent video game podcast in the entire world. We are trying to take over the world with all of our comedy, with news and whatnot. And we are so excited to be members of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Yes, we bring you uh, all the news you want to know every week. We bring you movie reviews, game reviews, uh, and all the goofs you want to hear. So come check us out every Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.